are live from the Empire of Lies, an oasis of free speech, anti-censorship, and liberty in the vast wasteland that is the Biden administration. This is the backstory. I'm Lee Stranahan, and it is a Carmine Monday. Carmine Xavier, are you there? I am the much better looking co-host, Carmine Xavier. Well, much better looking is a normative judgment. That's a value judgment. And we don't judge, especially since I'm the worst looking one. No. (laughs) How you doing, Carmine? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm great. So I had a nice weekend. I'm recovering from COVID. You heard I had COVID, right? I heard, yeah. I'll tell you what, man, with you, when it rains, it pours. No, it didn't. It didn't affect my respiration anyway. It's like a low, it's like a flu. It's a bug. It's what the doctor called the crud. But we have an outstanding episode today, Carmine. I'm excited about it. And I'm going to say something. Remember Tom Brokaw, the newscaster? Of course. Okay. So, well, some of these kids, you know, they wouldn't know who he is. But Tom Brokaw, do you know where he's from, by the way? I do not. South Dakota. Well, there you go. He's a native of South Dakota. But he had a speech problem. He had something called glottal L's. And his tongue wouldn't come off the roof of his mouth. That's why when he talked about Gaddafi, he'd say, Libyan leader's line of death. You hear that? The thing, you you used to hear Brokaw do it, right? You used to hear it, but you didn't know what it was, did you? Yeah, I didn't know it was a thing. It's a thing. It's a speech impediment. Glottal L's. And because I've had a stroke, my speech is getting better, I would say. But I'm still not 100%. I'm about... My friend Jason Goodman said I'm about 93%. What say you? Since you insulted my looks, feel free to insult me more, Carmine. How do I sound? No, I, 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 I said last week, I think you're sounding much better, more like your old self. Yeah, I think much closer. But I'm going to say something, and it's going to sound like I have God else. Oh, now wait, hold on. Now wait. I didn't insult your looks. I just said the very obvious. I'm, I'm better looking. I'm better looking than most people. You know, it's just the way okay. it is. So you didn't say I was worse looking. You didn't say... Correct. The wingman for Jerry Nadler. That's what you didn't say. (laughs) So, today's episode, ready? Here comes the God of the hell part. Is a liberty-loving... See, it's hard to say. On a good day, liberty-loving is hard to say. It's a tongue twister. But is a liberty-loving episode... A bastion of conservatism on the Sputnik lineup today, especially because our guest in the first hour is the great libertarian, there's those again, Mark Frost is joining us in the first hour. Mark Frost joining Carmine Sabian and I on the backstory. Oops, I didn't say that really. That wasn't the final back, the title of the show. And then in the second hour, do you know what we got? Tyler uh, no, Nixon. No. Very good. Hey, Tyler Nixon. I have, I have some questions for you after we start the show. Great. But it's a double dose of conservative dynamite with Carmine and Tyler 
and all throughout. Awesome. I, I, and seriously, it's, it's a very conservative lineup today. So deal with it. Because we bring <laughs> you a wider variety of ideas on Sputnik. You go from radical left to us. And, and Carmine, can you tell me, please, since you're so good looking, what's the name of the show? It's The Backstory. Very AM Radio, 1975, Carmine. Nice job. Thank you. Okay, okay what were you going to say? So, what I was going to say is, what do you think of this whole uh, Fasobiak being held at the WEF, man? Well, I was going to talk about that. I, I, Not have a different relationship I, with Poso than you do. So Right. No, no. I, and, and I have my criticisms, and they're very substantial criticisms. He's a liar of Jack Fasobiak. But, and... Don't forget, I used to be very friendly with Jack. I gave Jack, did you see the Ukrainian reporting he did over at OANN early on about the Ukrainian when the impeachment was going? That, I gave him that. I literally handed him my source, Andre Telzenko. And he got a lot of mods out of that. So I was very good friends with Jack. And now I'm critical. But, however, he was detained for no apparent reason. Now, I can't understand. He's in Davos. He and a crew from Human Events are over there. And that's fine. And he was detained by the police. And I saw the footage firsthand. Do you know why he was detained? I never was able to make that out. I don't. I'm sure he'll tell us at some point. But, well, I mean, look, let's face They're not doing anything yeah. good there. But I'll, yes, I'll, I'll give you an I, example. A year ago, a year ago, a year ago, uh, the World Economic Forum released a, a picture that accused Jack of being a peddler of disinformation along with uh, RT America. Right. And I would hate to think if I was there, because I'm a Sputnik employee, that I would be detained. But I probably would be. Because don't forget, the FBI's visited me up here in Sioux Falls. So that is absolutely shocking that Jack was detained. And I'm opposed to that. Hold on. And I was going to bring it up, but I'm glad you did, Carmine. What, do you have any comments on that, on Jack getting detained? I think it's bullshit. But yeah, watch that. Oh, oh, God, yeah, I forgot. The FCC, I think it's nonsense. It's okay. I think it's, I think it's nonsense. I think, come on, man, we we know what this is, right? And he's getting detained because he might ask a question that Klaus Schwab doesn't like, right? Correct. Correct. In fact, I'd be shocked. As critical as I am of Jack, if he asked a single question, Klaus Schwab liked. No, I don't trust what they're doing there. They're, it's completely NWO operation. Right. And it shows, once again, that that side, which includes, do you think it's fair if I lump Zelensky and 
with the WF? Uh, the, the leader of Ukraine. Yep. It is fair. Right, it's fair because he spoke it on stage, praised by Klaus Schwab, and Jack reported that the biggest contingent at the World Economic Forum is the Ukrainian contingent. And they're asking for people to sponsor sections of Ukraine. Let me talk about the war for a second. Ever since the fall of Mariupol and the complete surrender of Ukrainian forces last week, things are going very badly for Ukraine. Yes. How badly, might I ask? Well, did you see the Washington, the New York Times editorial before the weekend, at the start of the weekend, saying the U.S. has to disentangle itself from Ukraine? No. The New York, the New York Times said that. This Ukraine and, thing, I mean, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, Lee. Yeah. This Ukraine thing is the perfect NWO vehicle, and the actor yes. president of Ukraine is the perfect frontman for it. Yes, because he's an actor who is also, he'll say anything for a buck. And they have plenty of bucks at the WF, right? Bucks are something oh, you're yeah. not lacking. So they, and the other reason is remember that member of parliament from the Ukraine, the blonde lady. I almost called her a blonde chick, but I mean no disrespect by that. But remember her? She admitted yeah. on Fox that they're fighting for the new world order. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I went nuts on that. I shared the video clip on uh, on the Internet. Yes, and and she did not misspeak. It's not that she doesn't speak English and she meant something else. No, so many she of them said, oh, well, you know, she, she meant this and that bull nonsense. Right. She knew exactly Fires. what she was saying because she's spoken to the WF before. So I'm pointing out that the WEF is tied in with the Ukrainian regime and tied in with the Ukrainian narrative and tied in with Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. And this is all of a piece. Now, George Soros is also Bill Browder, WF. He, Bill Browder's over there. I, I posted a tweet about that earlier. And do you know how else is in with him? And I don't know what you think about this, but Texas Senator Ted Cruz, did you see his tweet supporting the Ukraine war over the weekend? I, I did not. He had a tweet. He went out of his way to say, we should support Ukraine. And he gave shallow arguments. What, what I mean by that is he said, it supports, it makes the U.S. safer. That's what he said, but he didn't say how. Supporting Ukraine does not make the U.S. safer. And increasingly, did you see there was a poll last week? 52% of Americans believe the sanctions the U.S. have put on Russia have hurt Russia more than the United States. Over half because the country. The, because that's what they're being told. 
Here's the problem, though, Lee. $6 gas, people are going to stop believing. But $6 gas, people are going to stop believing. And I think 52% of people people is a huge percentage, given how much propaganda there is. You're supposed to hate Russia. So I'm I take heart in that. I think I've I'll been say, saying it for know, weeks. There's more though. There's more. We got a food shortage coming because of this. Okay. Yes. And then then Biden says what he says in China about militarily defending Taiwan today. I you know what? I used to say this is a senile old dumb man. Now I'm starting to think they actually actively want to trigger World War Three. Well, way to think of him, Joe Biden is Dr. Strangelove in Depends. Now, it's an <laughs> ugly image, but I'm going to go with that. He has said he's willing to, to. He's willing to sacrifice American men and women in uniform. He's willing to go to war with China over Taiwan. And by the way, does that read the Constitution wrong? Does the president have the power to do that in the Constitution? But we've been doing right. that forever, so what are you talking about? But, but you know, what I'm talking about is the Constitution. Oh, I understand, but, but we haven't declared a war since World War II, and yet we've had military action all over the globe but for when my the entire president, life. When the president of the United States starts declaring ahead of time something China's a nuclear power, right? They're a superpower. Yes. And I assume if he puts American troops up against China, China's going to fight back. I would think that's probably true, yes. And by the way, so I think I think it's high time some congressman, maybe Rand Paul, maybe Paul Gozar, Thomas Massey, Marjorie Taylor Greene, somebody start trying to enforce, make this an issue. If this goes to the Supreme Court, they could push it and try to go to the Supreme Court. This is a battle I'd like. Would you like to see that fight, Carmine? Oh, yes. Especially with this Supreme Court. Because it's pretty plain. It's not a subtle clause. Congress has the power to declare war. But why have they never done this before? Think about the Iraq war. Think about the Vietnam war, the Korean war, the war in Afghanistan for 20 years. We never declared war. So it's like declaring war means nothing anymore. No, and, and that's a fact. But I think the threat level and also China is allies with Russia. I mean, and, think about this, Lee. Let me ask you this question. Why would we not, after 9-11, you think Congress wouldn't have near unanimously declared war on Afghanistan? Right. Why would I think not in a lot of cases they would have done it. I think the reason they don't do it is because they don't want to actually cede that they have to do it. And we've let presidents get away with, well, it's not a war. It's a military action. That's a war. A military action is a war. We've let them get away with it for too long. The founders meant exactly what they meant. If they saw what the presidents do today without Congress's approval, they would say 
We wrote this very plainly. You know what I'm saying? We wrote this very plainly. How are you making, how, how are you doing this? Now, in, in terms of on the ground, in, on the ground in Ukraine, things are going very well for Russia lately. They retook a town in North Donbass. I'm not going to be able to pronounce it right. It, it looks sort of like Lima, but I'm sure it's not. But, uh, and, and 600 Ukrainian troops surrendered in this town. Russia was able to take it very quickly. And they're taking village after village. And a lot of these villages are strategic villages. This place that they took today is a key railroad junction. So Russia is winning, period. And, and when the New York Times comes out and says the U.S. might have to back out of its commitment. Also, you know the $40 billion we've heard so much about? You've yes, heard of the $40 annoys, billion. Dollars. It annoys me tremendously. Yes, this will annoy you even further. Alexander Mercoris from Duran took a look at He looked at the bill. Do you know how much money of the $40 million is actually going to weapons and training? I'm almost afraid to ask, but this is why they didn't give Congress 10 seconds to read the bill, but go ahead. Well, what would you have guessed based on the, the media? If I was just if, <coughs> if, right. if I wasn't me. Right, right. In other words, if I was a regular person and not me and not knowing what I know. Right. I would probably guess 90 percent of it. If I knew right. a little bit of things about how Washington works, I would maybe guess 75 percent of it. I'm going to guess 20 percent. Okay, the answer is, I can't do math, but the answer is, Alexander Mercos says $6 billion is going to weapons and training. And that's not all weapons, some of that's training. Wow. $6 billion, what percentage wow. is that? If I could do elementary school math, I would know, but... Uh, it's somewhere around... An eighth? It's somewhere around an eighth. Right. So because five would go and, into 40 eight times. So it's probably on a seventh. So think about that, Carmine. And as cynical as you are, justifiably, be more cynical. Because five percent Congress members, a lot of Congress members are getting new summer homes. And I'll tell you who else. George Soros. A lot of the money is going to NGOs and NGOs in Ukraine means George Soros. He's the biggest funder of NGOs in Ukraine through his International Renaissance Foundation. So a lot of it, I'm, I'm not saying it's going directly to Soros. I'm not saying he's buying a new yacht. But his organization is getting a lot of money, I guarantee you. Because oh, come on, of course. Right. And, and furthermore... If I already didn't think that the weapons were going to do much to help Ukraine, and I'm not in favor of helping Ukraine, mind you, but if you're trying to help them, $6 billion in weapons and training is not going to help them. Because as soon as the weapons come into Ukraine, 
Russia is going to take them out. Of course. Right? Of course. It's it, we're, we're literally burning money. And and not even helping Ukraine. And 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 I would say also you talked about the food shortages coming. Have you heard what Europe's in store for? No. They're saying, first off, they pay more for gas per gallon than we do. Because they call it petrol. You know, you fill up your tank with gas. In Europe, they're more fancy. They get a liter of petrol. But the gas prices are higher there. And they're talking big food shortages. The head of the Bank of London last week said it's going to be an apocalyptic level of food shortages. As soon as the bankers using the word apocalyptic, that's not good. Would you agree? Correct. So that's what's coming. Now, meanwhile, Italy is not playing around. They are not going along completely with Europe. And they're proposing to Russia a package of negotiation points. Ukraine, Zelensky, no indication he wants to negotiate. But Italians... But this, con job started, this con job started with the COVID con job. You understand that, right? Well, they not that COVID that. was not real. Not that COVID was not real. But this whole con job, the we're going to reset the world economy and all that, that all started with COVID, man. They used COVID. They used it. I'm saying COVID is real. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying, anybody. COVID is real. Well, I do certainly care. Carmine, I have a COVID. So go yes. ahead. But, but as soon as these, these tyrants, these jackals saw the opportunity to use it as a weapon, they began using it as a weapon. And now the chickens are coming home to roost and they can use Russia as a convenient scapegoat to blame for all the problems that they've already caused. Yes. And and Europe is in for even worse economic trouble than us. And we're in for we're bad economic fine. trouble. Honestly, we're going to be fine. Well, we're, we're going to be it, fine because we're rich. That's bottom line. Some people, let me say this. Some people won't be fine. No, the poor won't there, be fine. There are parts of the country and some people in some parts of the country who are going to be in some trouble. Now, let me yeah, make... I mean, if, you're poor, if you're poor, it's going to be a problem. If you're poor and can't plan ahead, which could be part of the reason... Now, do you find it offensive, Carmine, if I suggest to you that some people are poor because they're lazy? Are you insulted? Not personally. But do you think that's true? It's true. Some people, not all. Not everybody who's right. poor is lazy. No, I Listen, I spent most of my life, I'm from the streets, bro. I spent most of my life broke. Okay? But my mom, myself, we worked really hard. When we got our way out of that and 
there are people I know who are right now, today, people I still know as friends that are poor because they don't care. They and they, do you they know do anyone same? conservative who who would say there's nobody who got rich because they're lucky? No, or be, right? Of course not. Or they and, were born and, into and, it, right? Or were born in circumstances that aided them. Either a family that's Correct. wealthy, right? And. Correct. The difference, because I've been thinking a lot, we talked about it a lot last week, the difference between conservatives and liberals. This is why liberals are stupid. Marx in the Communist Manifesto, you've heard of it. Yes, of course. At the start of the Communist Manifesto, he lays out his worldview. It's oppressor oppressed. You're either an oppressor or oppress. And the problem with that world, right. That the problem is, it is it true ever? Can you define some people as sure. can you can you say some people are oppressed? Absolutely. And some people are oppressors. Absolutely. But a guy who builds a cabin out in the woods and farms five acres and homeschools his kids. Is he an oppressor? No. No, and this and is so, where I get angry. Right. This so we'll be talking more about I this. I work so hard. I work so hard to be where I am. And, you know, oh, yeah, well, you had an advantage because you're white. What are, you, are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? I was born in Newark, New Jersey. What advantage did I have? Stop. Let's take a short break and we'll come back with Mark Frost, economist, Eagle Scout, entrepreneur who hates communism. And he'll talk about, I'll ask him about this, what Karl Marx said about the oppressor press. My main criticism of oppressor press is not that it's never right. It's that it's overly simplistic. And we'll talk about that with Mark Frost. It's a Carmine Monday and he's singing it all the way from New Jersey. I'm Carmen Mundy, <laughs> and this is the backstory. Back on the backstory and on the radio in the capital of the Empire of Lies, Washington, D.C., at 105.5 FM, AM 1390. Our next guest, entrepreneur, Eagle Scout, former Marine, and progressive rock drummer, Mark Frost. Hey, Mark, welcome back to the show. Glad to be on here. How are you doing? Doing great. Relatively speaking. Now, let me lay out a premise first. And then, Mark, you you hate commies, right? Communism, you're not a fan, right? Now, 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 I hate the ideology of communism. But, but right. Communies, but, you know, commies are just are just uh, confused souls. Oh, okay. No, I, then I'll say it. I hate commies. No, I, I like plenty of commies. I, Mark's right. 
There's a number of people who are guests on the show who are oh, commies. That's true, yeah. I mean, they're mass murderers, at least from an ideological perspective. But correct. But no. allow me to lay a premise about the left and a lot of the reasons they've gone so nuts lately. My premise I'm going to lay out with your help is that Karl Marx's view of the world is through the oppressor-oppressed dichotomy. He views people as either oppressor or oppressed. And he states that, right, Mark, in the beginning of the Communist Manifesto. Yes, I'm- You're familiar with that? Right, Mark? Lately. Now, the oppressor-oppressed mindset and the frame of all people either oppressors or oppressed, I'm going to argue, is an extremely simplistic, non-nuanced point of view. And that leads to, one, intellectual oversimplification, and two, it stunts them emotionally. Because if you have a box of two crayons, black and white, you cannot draw as nuanced a picture as if you have 64 crayons. And so having people are either oppressors or oppressed ignores all kinds of people and leads them. And conservatives, for instance, we were talking, if I say someone can be rich because through their own achievement and they worked hard, conservatives accept that. But aha, no, they communists typically say, no, it's a matter of either class privilege or race privilege. And it's clearly not. But conservatives and libertarians, if you said to them, some people luck into money and some people are born into it, we accept the premise that some people are born lucky, right? And and sure. luck into it. Everyone I know believes that. Mark, what do you think about the oppressor-oppressed mindset? And am I misstating Karl Marx? No, you're not. You're you're drastically oversimplifying it. But yes, uh, uh, Marxism from its core was a dialectic. It's a. It's. I mean, it's about dichotomies in the sense that uh, you're either you're either. Uh, being oppressed by an employer, or you are the employer. And then uh, Lenin came along and turned it into international political economy. You're either a colonizer or you're the colonized. Then flash forward 40 years and, and Black Lives Matter dealt with it. You're either a victim of racism or you're a racist. So you have these dichotomous variables which various permutations of Marxism over the decades have surfaced as, whether it's post-Marxism, uh, whatever the ism that has been that that has been attached to it, that's generally been what Marxian political economy has evolved into in its post-Marxist ramifications. So, uh, yeah. And- all about groups, in groups and out groups is is what Marxism is about from a from a political economy perspective. 
And I do not have the Communist Manifesto committed to memory and do not have a copy in front of me. And even though I did, I'm blind. But uh, he says, right, all history is a dispute between, and he gives some examples of it, and a press or a press. That's a, a, it's quoting Marx, basically. Well, yeah, and, but, 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 but we do have the problem of would Marx, if he was alive today, would Marx be a Marxist? And the answer is almost uh, absolutely no, he would not be. It's, well, I don't think he, he'd reject the oppressor-oppressor framing, and that's the difference between people. Well, and I know, I know when I argue with people who are communists, or, by the way, people who are leftists, and a lot of leftists like saying they're not leftists. Have you noticed that? They like saying the difference. And a lot of leftists don't even realize that they are communists. I mean, they're not leftists either, but to me, they're leftists. I mean, to me, you're a leftist right. if, you, if you advocate a libertarian or a liberal, actually, the better word for it would be a liberal uh, type of society. Sure. Yes. And they they deny that the Democrats are leftists. Whereas, you know, I see some leftists who rejected war and they didn't buy into Russiagate. And that's great. Me too. But still, they accept Black Lives Matter. They never argue against the fun underlying premise of Black Lives Matter. Oh, it's now it's now it's out for everybody to see it now. It, yeah, but you know what? Hmm. But it's out for everybody to see. But the media ignores it still. Can you imagine if a Catholic group, let's say, raised the money that these women raised and bought mansions with it, saying they were going for some other cause and they bought mansions? OK. And the media is like, ho hum, no scandal here. They should be in prison. Like mansions instead of abortion counseling or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Correct. Instead of like, say, 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 they, say it was a Christian group and they said they, they were, you know, going to mentor teenagers or whatever and, you know, teach them the right things in life and this and that. But they needed your help to keep these kids off the streets. So the, everybody sends in their money and they, they do help some of these kids. But they also they were they were broke before they started this. And now suddenly they have the money to buy mansions. And several of them. And yet there's no scandal. No arrests have been made. No investigation has been done. I mean, it's a joke. It's a joke because everybody's scared. Because imagine being the prosecutor to investigate this. Holy smoke. Holy smoke. You're going to be drummed out of town, declared the KKK. And so they got you. And it's, it's nonsense. And I've never seen anyone identify personally with being the oppressor. They always say they're the oppressed. And an example of this, I pointed this out last week. One of the Rothschilds, Christopher Rothschild, was up on Twitter complaining that he was being attacked for, he attacked, he went on his way to criticize Elon Musk. A Rothschild said Elon Musk is an entitled white guy. 
And when people called him out and said, you're a hypocrite, he said, I'm being attacked because I'm Jewish. And no one's attacking yep. him I, that I saw. But the attack was because he's a hypocrite for calling Elon Musk entitled when you're a Rothschild. I, we know where you got your money. And I think the oppressor-oppressed mindset leads to psychological, what's called self-victimization, where you start to see yourself as a victim. Well, that, Have you noticed that? Uh, it, it absolutely does. And, you know, there's a lot of Ayn Rand fans out there that would argue that a book was written about that very subject, Sanction of the Victim. You know, that it's not enough just to get their just to get their way uh, they want it it's sanctioned by the very people who it victimizes no yes good good point that's what all and, of uh, groups do e either you're in the in crowd either you're the cool people either you're the cool kids or you're not now if you're not the cool kids that means you're some form of an enemy of the state that's why this is so important. That's why these sorts of things, these if-then type of logic, or illogic, I should say, uh, way of thinking about things is important because we can wake up if we're not careful in a society that we didn't want. Well, speaking of waking up if we're not careful, you are e economic prognosticator, are you not, Mark? How dare you call him that? Prognosticator? No. Yes. You're not? What's, what what did I get wrong there? Prognosticator? I guess I am, yeah. Why not? I'll be a prognosticator today. It's sure. just a funny word, that's all. It's a big word. I, I la Sometimes I say words to see if I can say them. I'm testing my own speech. Right. But, but Mark Frost, do you prognosticate, do you predict economic disaster befalling the U.S. and Europe in the coming months? Disaster is a political word, but I, what I do forecast is considerable quarters of recession, which is called a depression. That's what I forecast. Now, now, do you, and this is a softball because I know you've said this before. You predict you actually think the high inflation numbers are misstated downward. You think what they're saying inflation is is not what it is. So if I ask you if you predict high inflation coming, you say, duh, I predict high inflation now, right? Yes. Yes, because it's increasing and it's increasing at an increasing rate. And People are becoming wise to the waiting games. So, for instance, gas as a category is weighted downward because it's such an it because it's considered an outlier. Well, to someone making thirty thousand a year, yeah, it's an outlier, all right. It's a very important outlier, and it makes their effective uh, inflation rate much higher than what the government claims that it is. So, if you make under thirty five thousand dollars a year, your uh, actual inflation rate. It, that is, uh, your money that you had last year buys only about half, half of what it 
uh, buys now than what it did last year. So now you lose a, you lose abroad. So I'm going to ask you a question in a weird way. Would you feel more secure economically if you were living in Russia now than the United States? That you less affected by inflation, the stability of currency. What's in better economic shape, the U.S. or Russia? That's a hard one to call because there's this giant political component attached to it. And so you can't really model it. You can't model it in a rational behavior. So all you can do is hedge it and say, okay, what happens if this side loses? What happens if this side loses? And then make your judgment. I mean, I am an American. I live in the United States. And my position throughout all of this is has nothing to do with Putin, has nothing to do with Russia, has to do with what's in the best interest of the United States. And I know printing yet more money, uh, transferring more wealth to the Ukrainians, now it's at the level, right at the level of what Russia spends on national defense. The West has transferred to Ukraine, and that's unfortunate because it it has unintended consequences that come back and impact economic variables, which themselves impact political variables, and it makes it very difficult to model the future. That's the problem. But and as we're looking at it right now, for instance, and the reason— I'm comparing it to is because the U.S. started these sanctions and they had the goal of destroying Russia's economy. Yes, they were, they were very clear about it. They wanted to destroy Russia's economy and then it would piss off the Russian people and they want to overthrow Putin. But what effect have they in fact had? Absolute regime change. No, no doubt about it. Right. And how's that going? Dr. Phil says not well, right? Yeah. Specifically, how's the ruble doing? Because I, I know you follow the currencies. How's the ruble doing? Gold. I, 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 I bought gold and rubles right when that first started. I... Right. And the ruble is, I think, at 58, something like that. Explain what that means. When we say the ruble's at 58... What does that mean? This means that any rational trader would be indifferent between uh, having 58 rubles versus $1. And that's historically good? It being yeah. good for the ruble to be in that area? Yeah, yeah the, the ruble didn't tank like they thought it was going to. And in fact, it, it tanked the first few minutes, and that's when I got in. And then I sold when it quadrupled its value, which I knew it would because uh, Russia's reserves are measured in are, are measured in actual things people want: uranium, oil, gas, wood. Uh, fertilizers, things that actual real goods, and that tends to 
have the opposite impact that our economy has because of all of the inflationary monetary and physical policy that we've practiced. Now, we were talking to Carmine before you came on, and he was saying, even though people are talking about food shortages, he thinks Americans are going to be okay because we're so rich. Do people have anything to fear in the food shortage that the U.S. might face in the next few months? Yes, and the thing we have to fear is ourselves. Because what I have said for two years on this program and others reminds me of the 70s a lot. It reminds me of the Nixon-Carter years. And people are talking about, in the administration, they're talking about price controls. And, and any time and every time, even the progressive economists don't advocate currency controls, for instance, because it just makes matters worse. It makes capital leave that country faster than it otherwise would have if you didn't have the controls. The only thing that works is draconian measures, the death penalty, stuff like that. China did it. And unbelievable to me, absolutely unbelievable. Now, what do you know about the European economic situation? What I've heard from people who seem to know is that Europe is facing even tougher times than the United States because yes, it is, it is, and that's because now what? Yeah, that that's because the the euro is not the international, you know, is not the international currency of last resort. The U.S. dollar is, and the the U.S. government can print and and pay its bills with printed money much easier than other than other countries and other monetary systems can, because their monetary uh, unit is not the monetary base, and it is for the U.S. dollar. About half of all U.S. demand for its dollars is outside is demand from outside the United States. The dollars are outside the United States. And that's uh, so, you know, there's a joke, you know, when the United States sneezes, the world catches a cold. And that is true, especially considering how many countries pegged to the U.S. dollar. If we're exporting, so if we're exporting uh, inflation, then they have no choice but to go with it or be hammered in the currency markets. So and now countries just kind of go with what we do. And that's our that's our hegemonic power is monetary policy. We get to do what we want for the most part. And now a lot of countries in Europe are saying they're not going to buy Russian natural gas. They're done. They're not going to buy it. How that will but, how long that lasts? What's that? I said we'll see how long that lasts. Well, let me play it out and tell me if I'm right about this. For instance, the company Bosch, manufacturer, has said in Germany they're going to shut down. BMW is saying they're going to shut down their plants if they can't get gas or cost rises. Right now. The demand for those products still exists. 
And a country like Hungary, who's not boycotting Russian gas, will swoop in, buy gas at a cheaper price, and set up some manufacturing to replace the stuff in Germany. Am I right in thinking that's what will happen? Yeah. In broad strokes? Commodity. This is what, this is where the press always gets it wrong. It doesn't matter whether a country A actually gets its gas, its gas from country B. All that matters is that those units are fungible. A grade of, uh, a, a barrel of crude oil is a barrel of crude oil of a particular grade. So it's a commodity. And so it doesn't matter whether we get oil from that particular country or not, because it's fungible, because it's a commodity, world oil prices are world oil prices. And so putting all those tariffs and all that oil and gas uh, nonsense that the EU and the United States have done, all they're doing is making it harder. And countries that are net oil exporters are laughing all the way to the bank. Saudi Arabia is probably thinking, these stupid Americans. And what's going to be the effect on everyday people in people's lives? The effect is that everything is going to just keep keeping up more and more expensive than what uh, these are going to become more and more and more expensive. And people on fixed incomes, people that are just barely getting by anyway, are definitely going to feel it. Well, they're already feeling it, and they're, they're going to feel it more. Now, I don't recall a time when the politicians seemed to not care about public opinion as much. In other words, everyone's seeing this is going to turn into a disaster. More and more people every day. And people aren't happy. Joe Biden's approval numbers are low. Normally, what a politician does is they try to do some policies that are going to make people's lives better. But are you shocked by the current situation where they seem to learn nothing at all? Uh, yes, I am, because what it shows me, either they don't care or they're so incompetent they don't know. And each one of those answers is problematic, right? But, yes. Yes, but, but yes, you're exactly right. They just seem to not get anything total tone deaf administration uh, and they just don't care and if i'm right the mid they're going to take a bath in the midterms if if i'm right and this is how everybody else feels and all the polling seems to indicate that's where it's going and and a general sense the, the the numbers, for instance, of how many people think the company, the country is headed in the right direction are low. About 25 percent thinks headed in the right direction. And that's historically low. So people get the sense that something is going wrong here. 
And it's the same in Europe, as I pointed out, because they are headed for a bigger disaster. But there's some indication that the elites, the New York Times being the newspaper of the elites, is starting to realize the problem. And they think that throwing all of our eggs in with the Ukraine basket is a mistake. And they're starting to see the problem. But it's unclear whether it's going to get to the administration. What do you think, Mark? Because we've been on you on in a few weeks. What do you think of the disinformation governance board and Nina Jankovic? What do you think of that idea? I mean, I can't say anything more than folks have already said other than, you know, just the optics of it are horrible. It comes right out of 1984, right? And then when you see the people that they've chosen, that they didn't even do any due diligence to select the person. And I'm one of those people that don't like the word czar put after any government post. I didn't like the drug czar any more than I like the disinformation czar. So if it's something that they want to put czar after, count me out because I don't like it already. Carmine, it's Carmine Monday. Do you have any questions for Mark Frost? We got a couple minutes left. No, man, I, I think he covered it all. I just, I disagree. I don't think the food shortage is going to hit us as hard as it's going to hit other parts of the world. So talk about that, Mark. Do you think some parts of the country will be hit by the food shortage? And also, what effect will people's psychology? I think the thing that may affect it, Carmine, is not running out of food, but people panicking and starting to hoard food in addition to shortages. Mark, what do you think? Well, yeah, that's how shortages always start. There's always a demand component to them as well. So that will definitely be in there. Uh, there's definitely going to be shortages, but I don't think they're going to be severe shortages like there will be in some countries. We still are pretty self-sufficient on the basics of eating and uh, the things where we're not going to get is we might have to wait for our truffles and things like that. But I don't think it's going to be super severe here. I don't see that uh, for that to happen. Doomsday would have to have happened first. So I don't see that happening, but I do. See what, what I There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying and no effect. See- I'm saying we're in better position. But, but for instance, if you have $5, $5 a loaf bread, if bread goes up for four bucks a, a, a loaf, that's going to affect people, bottom line. And maybe, and maybe I'm looking at it from a different position of, I can afford that, you know, whereas maybe other, you know, and I understand that. So yeah, it's going to affect, it's, I did say it would affect people of different economic positions differently. And Mark, what do you think about the economics of the current baby formula crisis? Well, it, mostly it's optics. Most people, I don't think, are, are, have a baby formula problem. What I do think it is, it does is it is it is it creates a very vocal force of people saying something's not right in this country. There's something wrong with this country. What is it? 
Ah, what, what, what could that be? And that's what I think these things do. Just another piece of evidence. People are thinking, yeah, okay. Didn't like this. I didn't like that. I didn't come to think of it. I haven't liked much of this administration at all. But you do like it in the sense, Mark, that you were right all the time. Everything you've been saying economically, you've been right about. Are you proud of yourself? I am. I am. So this is all your fault. Mark Frost, great conversation. It's not your fault. But you are a good predictor or prognosticator, if I could use a big word and say it again. Carmine Savi is with us on a Carmine Monday. When we come back, we'll have more show next hour. Tyler Nixon and your calls, 202-521-1320 on The Backstory. from the empire of lies. It's time for the second hour of the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines on a Carmine Monday with guest co-host Carmine Savia on The Backstory. So there was Mark Frost. We to talk to him for a while. Always great to talk to Mark. Do you know what I like about Mark Carmine? And I also like this about you. I like the fact that Mark, I agree with Mark on about 95% of things I would say. But even though we agree, he doesn't want me to get away with oversimplifying something. Did you hear that? While I was trying to oversimplify commies, for instance, he backed me off that. And I'm not in favor of oversimplifying things because I'm criticizing how commies oversimplify things. And really it's the left. They've been infected by this mind virus that is Marxism. And I think it does explain a lot. Holly, darn it, I was on mute. I'm sorry. Okay, welcome welcome back. But let's say you, Carmine. No, I I think sometimes you have to oversimplify things, though, bro. Let me me back you off the word over. If you said sometimes you have to simplify things, I totally agree. But oversimplify. Yes, I did. Right? No, I think I think sometimes you have to oversimplify things. I really do. I think people sometimes don't have the same have the wherewithal to understand it unless you make things very simple. Well, if you mean over as ex- extreme, make it extremely simple. I agree. But what I mean by over is when you simplify something to the point where it no longer makes sense. I, I think we're we're agreeing actually, Carmine. Do you hear what I'm saying? That yeah, if you I do. oversimplify it in the sense that it's no longer true, right? Yes, I agree. No, that's true. And I worry about that because I think a lot of times the formula for fooling people is make them stupid. If you can erase people's ability to think. If you can make people so they can't think well on their own, you can get away with murder. And the Democrats take advantage of that. I see the stupidest arguments. They're not even arguments. 
Do you see that, Carmine? I do. Well, they don't make solid arguments, bro. Right. It's not like they're trying to make an argument and they make a bad one. They don't make the argument. No, we got a couple of clips I got to get you. I meant to get you one, but I didn't. So let's take it. Say we got Tyler next year coming up, and then Carmine, do me a favor, put some bass in your voice, and give us a show. Bass in my okay. This is the backstory. Well done. I felt the bass. So let's play the first clip about the WEF. I meant to get to that last hour, but let's get to it right now. Better late than ever. Ourselves in a place um, where we're we have increasing polarization everywhere, and everything feels binary when it doesn't need to be. So I think we're going to have to think about a recalibration of a whole range of human rights that are playing out online. You know, from freedom of speech to the freedom to you know to be free from on- online violence, or the uh, right of data protection to the right to child dignity. Now that is gobbledygook. That is pure liberal speak. What do you think she's talking about with child dignity? I honestly couldn't hear it. It was kind of muffled. She was talking about we have to protect child dignity. Now, with what? That sounds good, good on paper. But I have a feeling she's talking about six year old sexuality, don't you? Uh,. Yeah, probably. And by the way, putting your six-year-old son in a dress is not helping his dignity. Would you agree with that? Yeah, certainly. Listen, you can't make that kind of decision at six years old. Right. And a lot of it goes beyond clothes, too. When they're talking about chemical castrations and double mastectomies for girls at an early age and allowing it without parental consent, as young as 12 years old some places, that's horrifying. That's Nazi-like stuff. Do you agree? It sounds like those. Right. So, and the other thing she was talking about is we can't be binary in terms of things like, she said, she talked about online violence. What the hell is online violence? Have you ever been beat up by online, Carmine? I have. I have. I, um, I've i been hurt badly. No, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, it, it, this is when they said, if you remember when they said um, uh, words can be violence. Remember that? that? That was the whole thing a couple of years ago. Words yeah. can be violence. This is all, it's all, none of it's unintentionally. It's all done with the intention of we have to stop you from speaking freely. And they never give an example. Look at the abuse Donald Trump or Lauren Bollard takes online. They never say to them, they never bring up an example. Marjorie Taylor Greene is a congresswoman. Look at the way she's talked about on Twitter. Did I ever use those examples, Carmine? No. No, and, and listen, here's the thing, man. Like I said, the whole, the whole point of this, 
is to is to silence, especially conservatives, to silence you if you don't go along with the agenda. You understand the agenda that they're driving, the agenda that they want. And, you know, Lee, but let me ask you a question. And let's get serious about this, because I know you're you, you probably believe the NWO exists as much as I do. Yes. So let's be honest about what's the end goal. What's the end goal of this transgender craze that popped out of nowhere? Popped out of nowhere. These people didn't exist 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago. Come on. The, the, the push towards feminizing men. What is it? What is it ultimately? Well, I think it's two things. First off, it's partially, uh, let me say three. One motivation of it, there's, let me give you the motivation I think you're talking about. One goal is a societal breakdown, is breaking down the family and gender roles that have worked for thousands of years and continue to, destroying family. There's no doubt of mine that part of it is that. And is that what you're thinking? Yes, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you one other goal, I think, is it's allowing you to be bullied using language. It's changing language. And that has other effects other than the issue of gender. Allowing people to be bullied, and it's gaslighting. What I mean by that is, you know, for instance, I know there were more attacks on Dave Chappelle over the weekend. Do you hear what Dave Chappelle got in trouble for? Uh, I heard what, uh, who was that guy that brought him on stage? Well, no, he said something, he made a joke about it. He was attacked by a guy on stage at the Hollywood Bowl. A guy came on stage and attacked him. No, right? no, 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 no. Dave Chappelle this week this day, this week, oh, Mulaney. Mulaney was the comedian that brought him on stage. Now everybody wants to cancel that guy. Mulvaney. Mulvaney, that was the comedian. Now everybody wants right. to cancel that guy, bringing Chappelle on stage. And because the, jo the joke made, and it's a good joke. If you know about the crime, look into what happened with the guy who attacked him on stage. He said he had a knife that identifies a gun. <laughs> because the guy <laughs> right that's a good joke that is hilarious and because the guy had a knife that was disguised as a gun so Dave Chappelle is somebody who points out the weirdness of the uh, essential argument is not it's that you can identify as anything you want to and by you saying it you, I, I have to accept it. If Carmine came out and said, I'm a woman, I have to go, yes, ma'am. I can't go, wait, what? What's going on? Have you, then I, I can't even ask him questions. I can't even say, Carmine, are you wearing men's clothes? Did you have surgery? Right? I can't ask any questions because that's homophobic or transphobic well, or whatever. See, but here's, here, here's the thing, bro. Maybe you can't, but I can, and I will. And that's the thing. And I know you will, too. I know what you're saying. But what I'm saying to other people is because I have people, people say to me, well, Carm, I can't say that to them. Why not? Your mouth don't work? 
It's when you when you weaken yourself. Yeah, part when of it's gaslighting. And, and part of it's yeah. to get people to accept things that are clearly not true. Chappelle's other joke about that is he said, can I identify as a helicopter? That's a Chappelle comment. So, so answer it, Carmine. I dare you. I dare you. Can Dave Chappelle identify as a helicopter if he wants to? In this society, you do whatever the freak you want, man. You, you just, you know, it, it's 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 a freaking mess because, look, in this society, I think there are people who would be like, yeah, sure, absolutely. You know. Okay. Now, sure. I I I I identify as a uh, bottlenose dolphin. Right. And and not only that. But if, if Carmine was saying he's a bottlenose dolphin, if he was saying that, it's not just that, but he has the right to get furious and get me fired. If the next time he says, no, you're not, he could try to get me fired according to the woke rules. Right, Carmine? According to the woke rules, you could pick it outside my house. Lee's a dolphinator. But by the way, I'm not. You're fabulous, dolphin. But thank you. That's that's. I'm getting a dorsal and, fin. Uh, getting a dorsal fin installed. Yes, and your twelve-year-old is too, without your Absolutely. consent. Of course, but they they have to. And if I if I try to stop it, I'm a speciesist. So, Command Central, who do we have? I see the lights lit up for the switchboard. Who is online? Okay, five two zero two five two one thirteen twenty. Let's go to Atlanta and our friend Brave. Hey, Brave, how you doing? Doing pretty good. How you guys doing today? Good. And you're a great looking helicopter, Brave. <laughs> Thank you very much. So um, last last uh, hour, you guys said so much that I disagree with, but I, I'll try to. Um, but this is things that I agree with. I think overall, but just a few things. But I, I won't be a stickler. Because uh, I, I really want to comment on the points you're making concerning the um, newer order, the Great Reset, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I, I do have to first say, I, I have to say, because I did grow up poor, and because I know a lot of poor people that work hard and are still poor. You know, uh, Brave, can I point real quick, just so, so we're on the same page? So, so did I. No, I know you did. I heard you say it, and I, and I believe you. My, my thing is that, you know... Um, you, you will make the point, a lot of people will make the point, especially conservatives, and I was going to make a point against making points based on conservatives and, and, and uh, Democrats or, or uh, leftist categorizing, but I, I can't help but say it in this case. I, I find that, um, I find as, let me say it like this, I find as much error in uh, conservatives pointing out or, or um, be, being, being excited, let us say, being happy to point out that um, there are there are a group of people that are poor because they're lazy. I find as much error in that as I find um, in Democrats or leftists, whatever you want to call it, consider it, um, making the point that if you are rich, it's because you committed some crime or you robbed somebody or you know, or you were pregnant. But, but, no, but, but, but wait, but, Brave, hold on. Wait, let me just, jump in here. Yeah, yeah Car Carmine, Brave. before you do, Brave. I don't think Carmine or I are saying 
that there is no one who is poor for other reasons than that they're lazy. We're not saying all people. Do you do you agree, Brave, that some people are poor because they're lazy? There's some lazy men Harvards out there. Are they not brave? They, you know people. People not rich by committing a crime. Hold on. Hold on. Let, let me say this. I'm not saying that you're saying – I'm not saying that, that that's your specific intent in making the point. My point is is that that's the first point you make. You don't, you don't say um, – you don't say that. I rarely hear you say there are some hardworking. Most poor people are hardworking poor people because if you look at any factory, we've said it. Right? We've said it. Okay. Okay. Uh, then, then I, if you said it, then I will give you the points for it and move on to what I really want to get to. I, 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 no, wait, 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 one second. I just want to make Carmen. I want to let Carmen make the point he is going to make. Go ahead, Carmen. Well, no, my, my, my point was similar to yours, which was. We're not saying all people, but we're saying I, I can tell you and, and brave. You've been poor. I've been poor. I can guarantee you, you know, people, you personally know people who are poor because they won't get off their rear end and work for it. And I'm not saying work as in go to their nine to five minimum wage job. I'm saying work to climb the ladder, work to get more. They won't try. They have no ambition. That's what I'm talking about in the same way. Some rich people did get rich by committing a crime or doing something wrong. So sometimes those things are true both times. It's, we definitely were not painting up with a brush to say poor people are lazy. That's that's not what we were doing. Again, again, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not um, I'm not criticizing. I'm not criticizing the I, I'm not criticizing the idea as much as I'm criticizing the um, the, 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 the seeming. The, what well, seems to be a necessity whenever pointing out um, that, that that example of of what causes poverty. I'm not say, so. I'm not trying to say. I believe me. I'm not trying to say that. Uh, like Donald Trump says, believe me. I'm not trying to say that you're calling <laughs> people uh, lazy. What I am saying is that nine times out of ten, when conservatives are making a point about poor people or poverty, people who are dealing with poverty, right? They, they never, the, the example that is brought out first is very rarely that poor people are. Okay, okay. Uh, let me, I see what you're saying, Brave. Let me answer that. I believe why is because they're counteracting stupid liberal policies. In other words, they'll propose a $50 an hour minimum wage, and they'll point out that it's going to have the opposite effect because some people, and, and Carmine, correct me if I'm wrong. The reason we point out laziness is because some liberal policies cause people to be lazy. People are are stupid, Absolutely. right? Carmine, absolutely. If, if if my boss and I love my job, but if my boss called me up and said, "Hey Lee, we're going to pay you whether you show up to do the radio show or not. If you stop showing up, we're going to pay you." In fact, we might give you a raise. I would stop, stop showing up, and and I wouldn't. I I'd like to think I wouldn't. I'd like to no, think, I think because I love doing the show. I think I wouldn't, and I think you wouldn't, and I'll tell you why. Because our jobs are more than about the money to us. We're fighting for something. Exactly, but I'll tell you, after about three weeks, when I was tired, and I th there are no consequences. I wouldn't show up and it would happen slowly. It would be a trickle that turns into a flood. 
and I think you you know, Skarman, if if you have no restrictions, and I don't care what we're talking about, if your editor says to you, and you say, well, when do I have to turn that in? When I wrote at Breitbart, I had to write one to two stories a day, or I'd get fired. So guess what one I wrote? One to two, you, you lightweight. Right, they're longer pieces. But this is the point. A lot of liberal policies give incentive to laziness. Right, Carmine? Absolutely. Well, the whole I'm sorry, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get I'm gonna get heat for this. I laugh. I mean I I I fall on the floor laughing when I hear paternity leave. What did you do, bro? What what trauma did your body go through that you need some time off? Get out of here with this nonsense. It's all nonsense. We have created a generation of soft wimps. Is Brave still with us? Yes, I am. I'm waiting for a chance to get in here. <laughs> but no, Brave, no, am no, I thanks. wrong? Have we not created a generation of the softest quote-unquote men you've ever seen? I, you, you know what I say, man? You know what I say? First, first, let me say this. Because the reason why I called in, I got to get it out if I can real quick. I, I, I believe that the people, um, the, the, the elite who, who are working so hard, working double time to not only destroy uh, families, right, uh, and destroy morals, I, I think that, and again, I'm an independent. I, I don't believe in Democrats or Republicans. I believe that they're, I believe they're truly debauched. I believe there's some truly debauched, moralist people at the top who want to justify things that they're already into. And I am not saying that because you want to be transgender, you are debauched. I am not saying that. What I am saying, though, is that people, uh, there are a lot of elite people who are just debauched, and they're trying to blend that stuff down through society. And I also think it's a, a means of control as well, because you're altering reality. And so now people just, well, just no, nothing is real, because you have a truth and I have a truth, instead of there just being a truth, right? So I just wanted to get that out. Correct. Um, but, going back to, but going back to your original point, the reason why I, just, I cannot jump on what you guys are saying is because, one, uh, yeah, there's some, there's some lazy poor people, but guess what? There's some lazy rich people. And you can say, well, giving this amount of pay, giving better pay is going to create some to be lazy. But uh, let's just say, that's the, it's the same argument that Democrats make against conservatives saying, well, if we take, if we take away uh, regulations, that's going to give us incentive for people to, for people to break, for companies but, to break rules. But, but Brave, also, we've said that on this show. Both Carmine and I said. Credit. I give you credit. I just want to say it for the day. You can also. Everyone. Everyone who's we're not unusual, Carmine. Are we unusual? Every conservative I know would Every admit that. Conservative I know says the same thing. Right, everyone. But the but the stereotype, and I'm not saying. See, brave. Uh, first off, I love the conversation with you, because it is a conversation. But I'm saying a lot of liberals say that they have this misconception about conservatism that we oversimplify things. Conservatives don't. I swear to God, I, I don't talk to anyone who says, no, there's no lazy rich people or no one's born into wealth. But I got to move on. Brave, great call. Thanks for calling. Who's next? Command Central. Okay. 202-521-1320. Tarif, thanks for waiting. What's on your mind? Thank y'all for taking my call. Uh, first, I'd like to say free the signs. Um, 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 uh, Alice was talking about that, um, uh, Yellen 
might um start, you know, getting her way and trying to um, influence the Biden administration. And, and Biden might get rid of Powell as Powell is raising the interest rates, which they have to raise the interest rates. So, yeah, that was just a theory Alice was throwing out there. China was saying that U.S. need to be careful uh, of choosing their words. Once they say that U.S. backed down on, uh, and said mis- uh, Biden misspoke, and the only thing they're going to be delivering to Taiwan is just weapons, things of that nature. Uh, Denmark handed over Harpoon anti-ship missiles to and launches to Ukraine. The Pentagraph, uh, Pentagon chief of staff said, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Erdogan, Turkey, okay, Erdogan was quoted as saying, Turkey does not intend to get involved in a show on Ukraine. Our relations with Russia will continue. And also Turkey is working with Russia on selling the products, the goods like the candy bars, soft drinks, and sportswear to Russia to um, and straighten their ties with Russia. And also, you know, I have rumors circulating that, not rumors, but has some articles came out that um, they wanted to um, kick out Turkey because Turkey is blocking the ascension of Sweden and um, 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 Finland into NATO. So, you know, yeah, we'll see what's going to happen with that. But yeah, that's my comments for today. Thank you. Thanks, Sherry. Great call. 202-521-1320. Do I see Aaron? Aaron? Yes, sir. I'm right. Go ahead. Good to talk to you. Hey, I, I've got to thank you for, for straightening me out on something. I was listening to that in the last, last couple of days or so, and I completely missed that whole uh, Nina Yankovic thing. I was going by Jankowitz, and I, I didn't make that connection that, wait a minute, she fits right into the story, right? And then you were going on about uh, she's connected to Browder. And, and I'm thinking back on when you were showing videos of Browder running down the street, you know, avoiding a, a, a server, a process server, you know. And right. all this stuff just kind of clicked together. So I just I got a couple questions I want to ask you. Um, they're they're on topic with uh, Taiwan, but there's an economic one, too. You good with that? Sure. And let me just say that that. We got Tyler Nixon coming up, and Tyler's a deadhead. And deadheads often say it's all one song, and that's the way I feel about a lot of this stuff. It's all one song: Browder, Soros, Yankovic, Ukraine, the Banderas, the CIA, Hillary Clinton. To me, they're all interconnected. And I don't want to sound too cosmic, but you know, I'm kind of hippie freak, so. So that's the only point there, Aaron. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and and I'm with you there too. I mean, I've been I've been following this kind of stuff for years and years and years, right? And I've got a good deep background on it. And when I first came across you for, a, a few years ago, um, I'm like, okay, so this guy is really dialed in, and I've I've been following you ever since. And your stuff always falls in line with with my stuff and the other guys that I listen to, you know, everybody's seeing the same picture. It's, 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 it's right. pretty easy once you get it right. And I was, yes. And more- the advantage I have, if I, if we just interrupt for one more second, the advantage I have is I do this for a living. So I was explaining to my girlfriend, she sees 
me. She's living with me now and helping me out with the health problems I've been having, and she's great. But she sees me. I, because of my job, have an unusual lifestyle. I study this stuff all freaking day. I'm up at four in the morning studying this stuff. And so I can look into it at a deeper level than most people who live normal lives can afford to do. But the more I dig into stuff, the more I see it's connected. And the new people I'm getting into are the Rockefellers. I've largely ignored the Rockefellers just because my head was full of all this stuff. But I agree with you. Everybody's looking into the same thing and sees how Skull and Bones and the CIA and the Bushes and the Rockefellers are all connected. So go ahead. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I'm another one, one of these guys like you. I usually wake up at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, right? And I dive into the data because I'm, I'm a computer a software developer, and I kind of – I can go through that and listen and absorb stuff, right? So I, I start early on. And and it's like this morning I'm listening to a thing, and, and this guy who I won't name is talking about how they're running Hegelian dialectic in all these countries like mine right. are all around the world. The divide and conquer, set the groups against each other, and, and this is their big play, all right? And, and, and now getting to my, my main question, okay, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit in code so you don't get flagged or anything like that. And, and we had this situation where the election became questionable, and we all kind of knew what was doing, where, you know, what was going on, because, you know, we know how to look into data and find this stuff. So I knew right away what was going on, right? So you have that take place, and that's, that's riding on, on the heels of this ridiculous medical thing that's going on. And I'm like, okay, here we go. This is the big play. And, and what I realized, because I was, I was uh, trained in like uh, uh, stock, stock markets, you know, back in the, the 70s is when I started learning it. So I'm a pretty good technician. And, and I'm pretty good at understanding the big picture in the world. And, and I recognize right away, and I told my wife this like 10 years ago, look, the trigger is going to come out of China, right? And it's going to be the bond bubble and all that stuff. So we've got this situation now where we were coming kind of to the end of the game anyway, where they weren't going to be able to cover all these entitlements, you know, like Social Security and the rest of it, because they were hitting the wall. They're, they're not going to be able to fund that. And then we see that 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 Evergrande thing went down, right, in in China. And I I told her, I said, there's the domino. That's going to start everything else. And then all of this stuff, Lee, have just accelerated out, right? All this insanity. I mean, man, when when you look at the world, do you just sit back and go, this is crazy? This is crazy, right? And yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. So so what I'm looking I'm not up at four in the morning because I'm relaxed. Let me put it that way. Well I, yeah, I know, me too. I'm I'm never relaxed. But oh by the way, that whole thing you said if if they paid you not to work, um, would you do it? Man, I don't I do not see you not working. You know, you're you you had this whole medical thing and you're working just as hard as you ever did. So No, I love my job, but I'm realistic. I would eventually stop showing up. Things would come up in the day. I would show up some days because I'd be awake and ready to do the job. But if they would, my only point no, was. I agree, I agree with you. I agree with you. 
I think, yeah, I think being realistic, if you're like, ah, I can take today off, I'm still getting paid. The great uh, Duke Ellington once said, I wouldn't get anything done without a deadline. And Duke Ellington got a lot done. But when I heard that, it made me feel better because I'd really like deadlines. I, 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 and I think people respond to that. And I think people respond to having some limits, right? Not authoritarianism, but some limits and clear goals. You know this, you code, right? If they said you don't have to turn in any code, you'd go, eventually, okay. So I wouldn't just lay around, but I have lots of stuff I can do for fun. And I like to do that stuff. So let's take a short break. When we come back, Tyler Nixon will explain why it's all one song. And some of the song includes JFK. I'm going to get into that a little bit with Tyler Nixon coming up on The Backstory. Backstory in the Empire of Lies Capital, Washington, D.C., on 105.5 FM, AM 1390. It is a Carmine Monday. Carmine Sabia is our co host. And joining us now, political activist and analyst and deadhead, Tyler Nixon. Hey, Tyler. Gentlemen, good to be with you as always. There is Tyler. How you doing, Tyler? Doing fabulous. If I was doing any better, they'd have me arrested, which is pretty common these days for non non woke, non leftist, non Democrats. No, yeah, look, I was thinking about you the other day, Tyler. You specifically, because I was looking up stuff, and and look, I pointed out you're a deadhead, but even as a deadhead, you occasionally see other deadheads. You go, that guy's too trippy. Am I right? Some Sufi dancer in the corner. Where you go, he's too far out, right? Uh, yeah, like most of them. <laughs> yes. And I maybe mean, me. I, I was, I was, I was a clean-cut, you know, military uh, Republican guy who just, I love the music, you know, the scene I could live without to some extent, but I, but God bless them, you know, I, I have no, I have no ill will for them. So I'll say something. If you don't understand what I'm saying, you'll either grok it and get what I'm saying. The point. Sometimes when I'm trying to study something, what I do is I study something different. For instance, when I'm trying to figure out the politics of this administration, sometimes I'll go, I need to look into JFK assassination. And I think you'll know what I'm talking about. And the reason I do that is because it reminds me about the way propaganda works and the CIA works. And then that gives me deeper understanding about the way Nina Yankovic works. And it's weird the way that works, but does that make any sense at all, Carmine, or am I being too trippy? No, it makes sense. Tyler? Oh, it's all a continuum. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we haven't had, I mean, you could argue we haven't had a legitimate threat of government, I guess, since Lyndon Johnson, really, or since Kennedy, you know, Johnson being the first. Since Ken- yeah. Usurper, basically. Um, you know, I think Reagan was legit. Uh, I think the Bushes were illegit. Uh, 
really Eddie Reagan and Trump. That's it. Or Nixon, too. I mean, I think Nixon was fair and square. I mean, and I think they assassinated him politically, just not physically. And I was watching I, I was thinking about you, Tyler, because I was watching a video about do you know about the Raleigh call about the North Carolina call that Oswald made? Yes. Vague, uh, yeah, that was uh, he was trying to obtain counsel and, uh, you know, another yet another a, connect, a murky connection. It was an ACLU guy, right, or something like that, uh, sort of a public defender guy. It was a naval intel, former naval intel guy named John Hurt, and right. he made it from the Dallas cell. And people have to remember, Carmine, did you know this? I know Tyler knows this, but it bears repeating because a lot of people don't know it and don't feel bad if you don't. Did you know when Kennedy was shot, it was not a federal crime to assassinate a president. It was considered a Dallas murder. What? Yeah, murder isn't even a federal crime. Right. And well, I'm, I'm I am right. No. Or wasn't at that but, time. But, I'm not. Right. At the time, the only thing it was, it could be, and that's why the FBI getting involved was controversial because Dallas PD thought it was their case because it was shot in Dallas. There was no well, that's federal. Not, that's not that's that's not quite accurate. It was the Dallas okay. County uh, Medical Examiner uh, who tried right. to intervene and said, "Look, this has occurred in this county, and this is the state law. You cannot remove this." And the, but there was the Dallas, Dallas PD. I mean, they were in the pockets of uh, you know Johnson and uh, you know the people who were who were, who wanted to rig everything. I mean, they were part of it. So in in, in it deep. But no, just the the, the uh, gosh, his name escapes me. But yeah, he tried to stop them, and of course they literally stole the president's body in violation of state law and flew it out of there because they knew they couldn't risk. They would never risk having an autopsy there. And of course, you know, the horror, the horror of it all, they wouldn't even want Jackie Kennedy to have to sit there. And so, you know, it served multiple purposes, but yeah, they did actually body snatch the president out of there. The secret service did along with the, uh, the Kennedy, uh, retinue. Yes. And this, this video I was watching about this brought up the man who Joe Biden pardoned recently that you've spoken about, the Secret Service agent. And I want to give you a chance to retell that story because what I heard, he he obviously, this connects to Kennedy assassination. And you talked about it before, but I know it's a story you're passionate about, and I'd like you to retell it. Tyler? I'm sorry, which one is that? The Secret you, Service guy. Who was the first black Secret Service agent? Oh, Abraham who, Bolden, of course. Yeah, Abraham Bolden right. Sr. Yeah, no, I who I've, I assisted to the extent that I could and enlisted Roger to obtain a pardon, which, of course, Biden gave him, which I was pleasantly surprised to see. The only good thing I think he's done in his entire administration so far. Abraham Bolden was a the first black Secret Service agent um, who was you know actually on the White House detail, and he was hand-selected by Kennedy. And served in the White House in, I believe, you know, through through most of 61 or at least the, the middle to the, you know, towards the end of 61. And then was returned to Chicago and was still considered, you know, uh, qualified for for uh, presidential protection because they would, you know, rotate in and out sort of the lesser guys. And uh, so he got back to Chicago and just was working counterfeit cases, things like that. But of course, there was a lot of scuttlebutt, you know, around. I mean, Secret Service agents would talk, or he would overhear things. And some of the things he overheard were a, an a antipathy and an animus towards Kennedy, 
to the extent that some of the uh, some of the agents even indicated that they wouldn't, you know, might not might not jump in front of a bullet if it came down to it and protect Kennedy. So there's so there's that. Then there was also a lot of uh, violations of their procedures on actual, uh, uh, you know, trips in which they were basically drinking and, and fraternizing or socializing, whatever, when they were pr- barred from doing that. And, and a number of the agents were drinking up till the wee hours uh, of the morning of the assassination. And then also, um, finally, there was a uh, call that came in about six weeks before Dallas to Chicago, uh, and it was an anonymous caller well, anonymous meaning they didn't identify their full name, but they basically tipped off the Secret Service to a plot. They said, you know, they said they're going to try to assassinate the president. And I believe it led to the apprehension of an ex-Marine with a high-powered rifle whose uh, apartment apparently overlooked the motorcade route. And his name is Valley, I think. But it, the caller's name, though, was Lee. So there you go. I mean, it was, you know, Lee as in who else would have called that might have known something? Lee Harvey Oswald. And it was basically the, the, the plot that was foiled or the would-be plot was – or whatever, the patsy, you know, bore a striking resemblance to the profile and the, demogra- the demographic, whatever you want to have, the personal profile of Lee Harvey Oswald. So uh, nothing was done about following up on that to alert other agent, you know, other agencies or other uh, branches of the service as I understood it. So like it was like, like they sat on this in Chicago. Um, and of course, Bolden witnessed all this, right? And then 19, the, the assassination happens. Of course, he's shocked and horrified. Uh, and he had suffered racism as well, you know, like blatant. I mean, not just, you know, not, not today's version of racism where everybody's a racist, actual racism, you know, like like the N word. And, you know, you're never going to go anywhere kind of thing uh, directly from, you know, just overtly racist uh, um, white, white, or excuse me, Secret Service agents back then. So anyway, 64 rolls around the Warren Commission. Uh, gets wind of the, you know, he's he's actually uh, scheduled and uh, uh, subpoenaed or what have you, ordered to testify to the Warren Commission, uh, and, and I think it it did involve revealing some of the stuff that he had heard uh, about agents saying, you know, that that they uh, the animus they had for Kennedy, as well as uh, particularly the the carousing on the job while on the road against the the, the uh, Secret Service regulations. Well, he's working now. This guy is a spotless Secret Service agent who worked many cases, had had a at you know righteous busts and was apparently really good at busting counterfeiters. Well, suddenly he gets uh, arrested and charged with uh, you know counterfeiting and conspiracy or whatever these charges were. And the witness against him is a guy he was busting or had busted previously, uh, and was a total hood hoodlum who was uh, you know had arranged a deal basically with the Secret Service. So they just basically completely railroaded this man, and he ended up serving six years in federal prison. Um, I believe it was, or, or I think he got a six, uh, at least a six-year sentence, and served like three and a half. But totally destroyed his life, his reputation, and you know he's been living with that for the last uh, 55 plus years, trying trying to clear his name, which finally came. I think he's not, he just turned 90, or he's close to it, or 91 perhaps even. And uh, it's just the most It really, I mean, it's a stain on the Secret Service, it's a stain on our government, our federal court. Uh, you know, federal court in Chicago. I mean, he had two, went through two trials, and the second trial, they, there was a mistrial in the first one. They couldn't establish it because, I mean, the guy who uh, the only witness against him was this Hood, who was who was a criminal, clearly a criminal, and basically, uh, 
The second trial was an outrage. I mean the judge actually told the jury that he said this man I think is guilty before they went in to deliberate because I guess they didn't want another – he didn't want another hung trial. I mean which is unheard of. I mean the judge weighing in like that. So of course he was convicted and only now after this many decades has he been cleared. But um, he knew and he heard about you know, of course the animus towards Kennedy within the Secret Service and certainly enough at that level – uh, that would substantiate the fact that the Secret Service was critical to the the assassination. You know, they they had to they had to arrange things in a way. First of all, protection stripping. They they pulled away. Uh, they allowed there to be no protection in front of and uh, basically around the front of the car. I mean, you look at previous motorcades and you can compare them. And of course, conveniently though, uh, when the ARRB, the Assassination Records Review Board, in 1992 ordered the Secret Service to you know, preserve and then turn over. Their logs and records of that period from I guess it would be like June of 63 to December 63, something like that. They proceeded to, to uh, uh, purposefully destroy the entire record, which is, which is a, a, not only a crime, it's a sin because it completely erases the historical you know, record of that error for that agency. Um, and so basically uh, like you know, there were people within the Secret Service who uh, – did not have any regard for Kennedy. They, they stripped the protection. If you look, like I said, prior eight, you, you can just tell from uh, and Vince Palomar is a – my friend Vince is a uh, an expert on this – is the fact that um, if you look, you can see the visuals The the where, where prior motorcades had, first of all, a giant uh, media film truck in front. Uh, you know, and then you had basically the media bus and you had numerous cars. And then finally in the middle of this would be the president's limousine. And then around it would be at least something like, you know, 15 or 20 motorcycles in Dallas. They literally sent Kennedy first out into the into this like wild open crowds with open you know office building windows and every you can think. I mean, the most ridiculous uh, risk and and even told the motorcycles to hang back not to get in front or or alongside of the limousine. Uh, so you see that you know when when the car almost comes to a, no does come to a complete stop which is like uh you know the the driver um Bill Greer I mean you want to talk about a moron I mean you you're he's and you see him in the Zapruder film which is by the way almost a cartoon it's been so manipulated and rigged uh and and uh, tampered with you see him look back twice and until he sees the president's head blown off does he even Bother stepping on the accelerator pedal. This is not a. This is not a at all, you know, conjecture or and you know because the, the, the Pruder film makes it appear as though the limousines moving. Every single witness said they couldn't believe the car came to a almost to a complete stop, if not a stop. And on the uh, Nix film, you can see you can see the actual or one of the other films, uh, the Nix or. You can see that you can see the actual brake lights on on the limousine at the at the moment of what, truth. What do you think about the people that say? A lot of the witnesses, the people that were there, just regular bystanders, have died in mysterious ways. Absolutely. No, they did. And the ones that were even – the ones that were really problematic, who saw things like identified uh, actual uh, conspirators or people who were involved, like you know, for example, the commotion behind the fence at the time, you know, the puff of smoke, that kind of thing. So if they were really uh, credible and were present, you know, were, were persistent and had witnessed it, some of them were just bumped off, or if they had material evidence, for example, um, died very you're strange deaths. You're a hundred percent convinced this was a hit by the CIA. Well, it was. Uh, it was a. 
sort of a pinwheel conspiracy with Lyndon Johnson at the center of it. But the CIA was sort of the over the the operational uh, overseer. And then I believe, you know, the, the mafia or, uh, you know, organized criminal elements, probably also including um, uh, anti-Castro Cubans were the actual shooters, of which there were probably at least six different sniper positions. Even 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 the uh, Bill Kellerman, who sat in the front seat, said we were under a fusillade of of shells coming in. So it was not so just what uh, role. What role did Oswald play? Just a shooter that was the passing? No, no. So okay, so yeah, no. Poor Oswald. I mean, my God, Oswald basically was an innocent man who was an intelligence operative and an FBI informant, loosely used, who had been used for their defection program, which is headed up by William Harvey, who absolutely hated Kennedy both Kennedys, uh, and was banished to the Rome, uh, to the Rome Bureau, um, field office, whatever you call it. And, and incidentally, there were, there was believed there were Corsican assassins were, were part of the, uh, you know, the larger hit teams, which would have been recruited by Harvey or through the, somehow through the Italian mafia. Um, but Oswald believed he was foiling or he was, he was an, a loyal operative who was there to potentially, uh, foil or thwart an assassination plot against the president of which he was aware. So he was insinuating himself into these groups uh, and was, you know, very much uh, steeped in it, but he was being sheep dipped, which was, you know, of course being posed as a communist uh, supposedly in his mind in order to infiltrate these groups, but, you know, for the uh, people above him to portray him as a low nut communist. And of course, try to hang it on communists, Russia, Cuba, how, whatever have you, Potentially caused World War Three. Some people wanted it. Curtis LeMay being well, even the know. gun. By the way, even the gun is ridiculous to say you could assassinate somebody from where he was on a moving car. I mean, you, you, the you would have to be. An, yeah, gun. you would have to be, and truly, and I've I've owned numerous of those Carcano rifles, and my God, they are just awful. They really are loose and and unreliable, um, and. Absolutely. His sight, his sight was so far off and the way it was mounted, it could not be zeroed, meaning it was impossible to magic, zero that sight. The bullet nonsense. But what yeah, do you, no, what yeah. do you take the idea that, what do you take of the idea that it was the, actually the limousine driver who fired the fatal shot? And do you think Jackie <laughs> Kennedy was, was aware of any of this? No, no, he was, I mean, he trusted his, he, and, and, and they tried to blame him, which was even more awful, William Manchester and that bunch of, you know, the, the sort of Secret Service protector saying, oh, Kennedy was a difficult guy. He, you know, he insisted on riding out in an open car in the bubble top. That was, that was a complete lie and a, and a, and a miscarriage of history because all the agents interviewed by Vince Palomara later and later years before their death said, no way. Kennedy was a, a wonderful man. The ones who weren't, you know, involved, frankly, and we can name the ones who involved. Um, and, and they basically said, no, 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 he never said that. That was, that's nonsense. Number one. And number two, no, Bill Greer did not shoot him. I mean, that's, that's ludicrous. I mean, you couldn't do that. You would, it's, it's, it's just, you know what that is? That is disinformation in, uh, designed to make every person who questions the official story look like a nut, like nine 11, you know, they had all kinds of crazy, Oh, it was aliens that did it. Oh, there were no planes. That kind of thing is it's it was CIA tactics to create up these. They you know, made oh, the Jack, they even said Jack, so they even crazy. people who said Jackie did it. You know, they, they made the conspiracy and, so crazy that and, you ignored everything. Yeah, and this this right. is from which and the, the term conspiracy theory was invented. 
Right, and Tom Nixon, you're yeah. fond of information on JFK, and I want you to talk about that, and thanks so much for filling us in on your take on the JFK assassination. I want to go to a clip. We have one more clip. This is Michael McFowell, former ambassador, who I was questioned. The FBI came to my door. McFall was going to be coming into Sioux Falls to speak, and I called the local university, and I offered my <laughs> services as a speaker. And Michael McFall was a speaker, and the <laughs> FBI questioned me. Let's play a clip. Let's see what Michael McFall is saying about Ukraine-Russia. Go ahead. Come on, Central. Hey. The real world, guys. Come on. I Come on. But, but you can, That's and, the and, real and yet, world. Wait a sec. Our diplomats are lying all the time, yet the Russians should trust them when they offer assurances. No, 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 no. And no, no. we shouldn't. Please, no, but here's my, here's my question. If Ukraine membership in NATO is really realistically off the table, just not going to happen, nothing for Russia to worry about, why shouldn't NATO take it back? Say, we've rethought the matter. We no longer want to consider Ukraine for NATO membership. If it's never going to happen, why not do a very simple thing that might help unwind this? Because that would be an invitation for, for Russia to invade. And as you know, I Russia, already happened. the United States... So, so, Tyler Nixon, do you think public opinion on the Ukraine-Russia war is changing? I'm seeing among conservatives. Most conservatives I know are at least somewhat skeptical, Ted Cruz being the obvious exception. That's another JFK tie-in, his dad, but let's ignore <laughs> that for now. Tyler, right. do you see public opinion changing on Ukraine and Russia? I think there was an onslaught of propaganda that made the, of course, the Ukrainian civilian population very sympathetic, and made you know, as usual, portrayed Putin as the monster and having no good cause or no rational reason to do what he did. But as the truth comes out more and more, um, and frankly, there is this stampede to commit us further and further into it. The American public has no more tolerance for these overseas misadventures. And frankly, that has been uh, that has been the case growing increasingly towards a traditional American foreign policy of, you know, friends with friends with everyone, but not no entangling alliances, ties like that, that would involve us in wars in which we have no direct national interest, you know, starting with Ron Paul having moved, begun to move that dial in the mid 2000s against the neocon cabal that has you know, held sway since Vietnam, frankly, and enlisted us into every uh, ridiculous. I mean, uh, you know, the Iraq war was just a travesty of and, and, and it comes down to I think people also see the the uh, ulterior interests that are at work at the same time. People, defense contractors, oil men and so forth getting rich. And I think the there's just a sense that Biden's ties to Ukraine as well and the ulterior motives, potential ulterior motives there and the the ability, I think, of the alternative media to, to get its voice out there and to get into the mix um, people just are not there. I mean, we're, we're hurting here at home and look at what it's done to oil prices. I mean, it's just like, forget this. We you need to deescalate. And yeah, the neocons are, are barking up a wrong, barking up the wrong tree. Let's just say anymore. Uh, they've run God, their totally. game so many and times. People how are fed dangerous up and do you sick think his recent statement about Taiwan and China saying that he would commit us troops. If you know, uh, Taiwan. I, I, I yeah, that's more of a legitimate to me than Ukraine, a legitimate fight. But let's be realistic here. I mean, we're going to have, have a global war over Taiwan. I mean, we have to we have to repel 
the Chinese aggression. But at the same time, I mean, if they're committed and they're absolutely ruthless and, and, and are going intent on taking it, what are we going to do? I mean, it would require a nuclear war practically to, to defend it or the, a lot of bloodshed, particularly of the, you know, the people of Taiwan. So I hate to say it, it you know, it's, it's, it's a lost cause. I mean, it's like Hong Kong. I mean, it's like th- th- this is a criminal cartel operating internationally that runs that the country and, and is an authoritarian, totalitarian. And they're not going to they're not going to cease and sway from their desire to have Taiwan back in, you know, under the the uh, the, the red Chinese flag. But do you think that the CIA is involved on the Taiwan side? I think, yeah, just well, just as they are in the uh, on the Ukrainian side, frankly, uh, you know, in many ways. I mean, I would I would hope I would- they would be doing we would be doing our best to try to assist the, the people of Taiwan, but I, I, don't, I think it's Are unfortunately... Are we trying to start World War III? Are we trying to start yeah. World War III? I think some people would love to have... We're really World War IV because we had the Cold War. It was kind of World War III, really, but just not a, not a hot war. Yeah, no, I think they do. I think they want... They want... The, they want so. what, you know, they won't waste that crisis. I agree. That's great discussion, Todd Nixon. Tell people, is, is there a place that you can find your writing? My writing? Uh, you know, yeah. Twitter is probably your best bet at Real Tyler Nixon. I just just followed you. But I'm, I mean, I have a lot of stuff I've, I'm, I'm you know, preparing to publish that's archival. I just have to get my sort of uh, web presence more you know, honed in. But uh, I'll let you know as it comes out. And Carmine, remind people where you can find your stuff. At Carmine Sabia on Twitter, and of course, follow me on Conservative Brief and Explain America. Great show today. Thanks to Mark Frost in the first hour, Tyler Nixon, and of course, Carmine Sabia on a Carmine Monday. Great, liberty loving show, and a lot of fantastic information. We'll be back tomorrow on the best damn radio show in the world. This is the backstory. 